Hello, friends, and welcome to the Women of YouTube podcast, where we are sharing stories of women YouTube creators in order to inspire other women to start creating. In each episode, we deep dive into why these women chose YouTube to create on, their struggles, their successes, and of course, get real about what happens when you're a female creator on the internet. This podcast is brought to you by TubeBuddy, your best friend on the road to YouTube success. Now let's get into it with your hostess, Desiree Martinez. Welcome back to the episode of the Women of YouTube podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys here, especially coming off of that long holiday week, weekend, the whole thing. Like my kids were home for the week. It was like we had to travel, like I lost all sense of time and all of the things. It was crazy. By the way, all of you people that live where there's snow, I don't know how you do it. I'm very thankful to be living in Phoenix nowadays. In this episode, I'm talking with my very good friend, Shelly. She is known as the Vertical Video Vixen on the YouTubes, and she has been doing some really wonderful things over the past years, and I cannot wait to share with you so many things. Like, we are some super super opinionated ladies on this podcast. We have a lot of thoughts and we've had to, we really air a lot of the struggles that we had through um, being female creators, the struggles that we faced um, by being females in a quote unquote man's world, all that kind of stuff. And um, we, Shelly has some, (laughs) Shelly has some really amusing thoughts on this whole thing that I can't wait to share with you guys. But before we dive into a little bit more about her, I would like to show a little bit of appreciation for our listeners by reading an iTunes review. This one comes from Carolyn, aka Doodle. Desiree has a knack for opening up interviewees to telling interesting and helpful stories about their YouTube journey. She has gathered great talent that are all YouTube role models in the making. We'll be keeping an eye out on every episode from now on. Thank you so much for taking the time to write that review. I really do appreciate you, Carolyn. Um, I acknowledge you and I would love to read your review on this next podcast. So head over to iTunes and leave us a review about what you think of this podcast, maybe even what you thought of this one. So now let me tell you about Shelly. Now, Shelly originally has been known on the internet as Shelly Saves the Day, but she has so many great talents and so many great things that she's doing that she is actually expanding into a lot of different things to help businesses crush it with video. And she has recently started a new YouTube channel called Vertical Video Vixen. Shelly is here to help guide you through all things of vertical video on every platform that has it. So that's going to include things like YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, and more. She's very focused on not only helping you create and be comfortable with creating vertical video, but she's helping your brand and your business look into how you can build a social media content strategy from it, how you can grow your business, and how you can do more through her Vertical Video Marketing Academy. I don't want to take up any more of your time in this introduction, and let's so let's just dive into all of the goodness that we had at the Vid Summit 2019 event where this video where this interview the show, happened I'm live. So, so happy to have in the background. That's what YouTube you are channel. hearing. So Thank again, you for having you just save everyone's lives on the internet. I try. I, I just start with their day. If it's their life, I'll take it. Right? Been there, been there. Okay, so tell me, why YouTube? Uh, YouTube is actually one of the coolest platforms because of the video aspect. And I feel, you know that when you send a text message to someone and then all of a sudden you're like, 
that's not how I meant that, or I read that back wrong. And there's just a lot of nuance that's lost when it comes to copy. And I feel that video, when you get to be face to face with someone, when you get to hear their inflections, intonations, when they're being sarcastic, when they're not, you can't read sarcasm always through text, or if they don't <laughs> get it right, then they get mad at you. But video, it's so much more clear. And so I think that there's so much more connection built with video. It's so much more attention stopping than just, did I write a great paragraph? So I love video for communicating that. I, I think I like what you said about how <laughs> inflection, because I'm super sassy. Me too. And kind of super snarky at the same time. And like in text message and email, that is 100% taken out of context. So video it just definitely reads as allows. Mean sometimes. Exactly. It's like, I feel like in order for you to like really understand what I'm saying, you really should probably see my face, yeah. which is going to be interesting since, you know, everyone's hearing us right. right now. Just know we come from a place of love and sass. Both of those are true. <laughs> okay, so how did you get started with YouTube? Actually, funnily enough, I, my first YouTube video ever was for a coding boot camp that I was going to be a part of. And it was part of the application processes. You had to make a YouTube video, have it be unlisted, upload it to a channel, and then submit it to them as part of your application. And it was terrifying because I didn't know anything about video editing. I didn't really know too much about YouTube backend. I only knew how to watch videos. And so that entire thing was a process, learning how to um, edit and upload it. And then what did unlisted mean? So that was an entire learning experience for, it was all for that coding boot camp that I was applying for. That's the first time I ever made a video. <laughs> what, was some of your, what have been some of your biggest struggles as a creator on YouTube? Some of the biggest struggles for sure have been dealing with my own insecurities and feeling like I don't know what I'm doing putting out videos. You know, there's a lot of when you look at it, it's glitz, it's glamour, it's these bright lights, it's beautiful sets. And you're like, I'm just a girl sitting in her room talking to a camera and I don't know why people are going to watch me. I don't know why they're going to tune in and, and view anything or listen to what I have to say, which is terrifying. So getting over yourself is probably one of the biggest hurdles that most people can't do. And that's why for years and years, I would go to meetups and groups and hear people always saying like, oh, I've wanted to start a YouTube channel for years, but I haven't yet. And I'm like, well, if you just started three years ago, think about where you could be now. And so that's one of the biggest insecurities I've always dealt with. The second one is going to be, I could never decide on what I actually wanted to make videos on and share. So a long history of this is I originally started, we're going on a story tangent here. Well, I love stories. So <laughs> okay, we're here, good. stories. Originally, um, so I don't consider that other YouTube video a real video because it was just an assignment. But the first time I decided I wanted to make YouTube videos, I decided I was going to be like a beauty box subscription unboxer. And because I can't do makeup, I'm not confident in it. I didn't start until very late in the makeup game, but you see the most females on YouTube and they're all doing beauty. And so I was like, okay, I'm not gonna teach tutorials. I'm not gonna do that, but what I do have, I have a lot of opinions. I have things to say. So I'm gonna take a makeup subscription service, which I'm already purchasing. I'm gonna unbox it on camera and I'm gonna blow up big like all these beauty people. So I decided to make a couple videos. I hadn't told anyone yet that I was making a YouTube channel. I finally went over to dinner at a friend's house and I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of thinking of doing a video. I'd already released my first one and she's like, oh my God, I want to make a channel too. We should do it together. And I was like, sweet, double the people, half the work, let's do this. So she and I actually ended up taking a channel and putting it and putting it together. So we had a kind of a beauty channel together. She was skincare, I was kind of makeup. We'd do funny videos together. And then after a little while, it became like, I want to talk about more than just skincare and makeup. I want to talk about like technology and camera settings and editing and things that are like, I don't want to say 
more than surface deep, but you know what I mean, just just more. And she was like, no, I don't want to do any of that, and I only want to talk about skincare. And then we ended up eventually making our own channel separately. So I could talk about technology, she could talk about skincare, and then I had a hard time transitioning back to my own channel because I was like, I was still doing a little bit of unboxing um, because eventually we just stopped making videos together. And then I was like, okay, so I want to talk about that and I want to talk about iMovie and I want to talk about um, camera settings. And I think that was the hardest thing is my audience never knew what to expect from me because one week it was an iMovie tutorial, the next week it was about an Ipsy subscription and they were like, what is this channel? So I had a really hard time in the beginning because I had so many different things that I was looking at and like just a random, every once in a while you have that video that you never thought would do well and it ends up doing well. I was painting the bottom of my Louboutin shoes that had been like uh, all scuffed up and I painted them and I put that video up and I sold more bottles of that red shoe paint than any product I've ever sold or linked from Amazon, <laughs> this little $5 thing of paint. And now people think I'm a DIY channel. And so I know it's the second most like viewed video on my channel. So people are like, oh, you're a DIY channel and about fashion. I'm like, no, I, I make editing videos. So that is definitely a hard thing. I've finally had to like, everyone always says like niche down, niche down, niche down. And I was always like, screw that. I can put whatever up, you know, and I can just make different playlists. And then I really realized that like my audience was like very confused. So then it, it became like, yes, you have a lot of interest. You really need to focus on something. And so that was definitely a really hard lesson that I learned. It took a year and a half, two years to learn it. So how did you overcome that struggle? Like, how did you clearly define who your audience was? It was really hard to do that because when I started looking at my analytics, I had a lot of men, mostly men watching my channel. And if you looked and grouped my most viewed videos, it was all about iMovie editing and, and video editing and technology related. But I was still doing DIYs and how to cut up a t-shirt and how to paint my Louboutin shoes and, you know, and makeup subscription unboxings. And so it was just, it was really tough. So for a while I, I started polling on my community tab on Instagram, like, what do you guys want to see? What do you guys want to see? And it became like, I just want iMovie. I just want iMovie or something like that. And then I was like, you start to feel maybe like, oh, I should do that, but I'm, and then I don't want to get stuck. I don't want to get trapped into one type of content, not being able to create what I want. And then you start seeing how some people get burnt out about only having to do whatever it is, beauty content or just vlogging. And then you're like, oh, I don't want to be like that person. I still want to be able to do what I want. I want to run my own channel. And then it became the struggle of, do you want to grow fast and grow subs and grow your reach by actually expanding uh, your audience? then you stick to one thing. If you want to just be a variety where it's an encyclopedia, then you have to be okay with the fact that one video is going to get 10,000 views and the next video is going to get 50 views. So I really had to like reconcile that against myself and be like, what do I want? And at some point, selfishly, we're all like, we need social proof, you know, because you don't know any better. You're like, oh, I need to show people that I've got subscribers and stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to come down into one thing. I'm going to come down into iMovie tutorials and I'm going to go after that hardcore and then I'm going to use that to launch an e-course and eventually I'm going to funnel all this stuff this way. Even at the cost of does that make you happy or not? So there's a mental inventory I think that every creator has to take as to am I trying to grow fast? Am I trying to really resonate with the audience? Like what am I trying to do and what would make me happy internally? I had something like this happen with me with my channel. Um, I, uh, you guys all know I 
if you've listened to any episodes, I am an Air Force wife, or a former Air Force wife, and I was like really frustrated one day because I kept seeing all these really terrible Facebook ads targeted to me because I was a military spouse. And I was like, right, I'm gonna take it upon myself to educate the marketing world about everything that has to do with military life so they can actually do this right. And so I started doing this military marketing Monday thing and it just was like, it, it just almost kind of fell on deaf ears, but it, not deaf ears, it fell on the wrong ears. Where people like new military spouses and, and, and military people and all these things were trying to get answers to stuff. Because they're like, oh, what is this about? What is this about? And I'm like, you know, these military people have nothing to do with my core demographic, which is supposed to be people who need help with social media. When in fact, I thought I was making something for marketers. And so like, I still have those on my channel because it's still part of like the history of me and my back catalog. But I do get concerned when it comes to like my data, my analytics, as I've pivoted into what I actually want to talk about, which is social media and content marketing, like full on with like, are these people the people that I should be talking to? And so I'm sure you ran into that with your channel. Like you have this, like probably a chunk of your subscribers that came from this, from people who like, oh, I fixed my shoes with this thing and it's, it was great. And then it's like, oh, and iMovie? Like, what's that about? <laughs> yeah, it's really confusing. And what's sometimes disheartening, too, is you'll put out a video, and if it's, like, completely different content or something, um, you put it out, and then you just lose a whole bunch of subscribers or something. And that's always, you know, tough as a creator to see. And you're like, oh, people forgot they were subscribed to me. They saw my video in their timeline. And then they were like, nope, not for me. And then at one point, you have to be like, you know what, though? Maybe that's okay because those weren't my audience. And they... You know, people grow just like the same people sometimes that you were best friends with in high school aren't the same ones from college, aren't the same ones from who were there with you on your wedding day or whatever it is. And it's like, it's okay because we all have seasons of our life. And even some of my subscriptions from five years ago versus now are different. And sometimes it's okay to leave content that isn't serving you anymore. And I would almost rather have them leave and make that decision and then be left with getting closer down to my 1,000 true fans, you yeah. know? Exactly. But it is definitely hard when you're making a transition like that. Yeah. Sounds like something that's like really big to overcome that a lot of people when they're starting out like are definitely going to face. It's like you, we have so many interests and so many things that we're interested in. We are like you, like we just want to save the world and like there's so many different problems to fix or solutions or stories. You just have to figure out like what is it that you feel the strongest about and then like how can you continue to make content about that over and over and yeah. over again? One of the ways in my um, in my title, so Shelly saves the day, one of the things I was really going to do, I was going to be doing like a discount kind of shopping type of how to like look ex more expensive but not spend a lot of money because like I shop clearance. I shop like Nordstrom Rack clearance, you know what <laughs> I mean? So it's like it was about saving money, so saves the day, air quotes. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to find um, and tell people different ways to save money on makeup or save money on their clothes or save money on services like Groupon or whatever. And then I have never made a single one of those videos, but that was originally in my wheelhouse of what, like some of the videos that I, because like I said, when I started, it was life hacks, tech tips, and beauty videos. So I was, I did make one actually. I made a, a dollar store like hacks or something like that and about how, you know, you get your travel supplies from the dollar store, name brand stuff or hair ties that we always run out of, dollar store. And so um, that video randomly did pretty well on my channel too, but like, <laughs> It's just the random. So now weird. if you look at my, you know, my data catalog of videos and then you're going to be like, iMovie, iMovie, Final Cut Pro, phone app, phone app, Dollar Tree. You know, <laughs> it's just, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> so what's the one of the coolest things about being a YouTuber? Um, honestly, I think it's the relationships that you build with people when you finally get to meet them face to face. I always say it's so much different from face to face than face to pixel, face to screen, face or screen to screen, you know, when you're typing to each other. And the truth is, 
just because you only get the highlight reel of what someone looks like when they're doing a, a video, you get the best 10 minutes or 15 minutes of their life and it's not always real and authentic. And I think sometimes what people are always missing is real and authentic. And so when you get to go to an event and sit down and rub shoulders and you know high five with people and talk to them, especially at a conference like we're at right now with VidSummit where everyone is going through the same types of things that you're going through, they understand. It's hard having a conversation with someone outside of the video or creative space sometimes and saying like, man, my, my click-through rate was just not really good or you know, my audience retention is just not where it needs to be and someone looks at you and like, what? So I think it's, it's really, really important when you start to make those relationships. And I think what's funny is the lasting relationships that you get to embellish on year after year and enhance, those are so much more powerful. And then all of a sudden you've got someone who used to be friends with when you were at 5,000 subscribers each and now they're speaking at VidSummit and you're sitting in the audience while they're you know, giving a lecture. And those, those relationships, those are really, really powerful. So some of the opportunities that I've, got, I've gotten to do, like being the video with you yesterday at the YouTube space, being on this podcast, are because of brands that I've worked with, people that I've met, relationships I've created and cultivated and kept going throughout the years. And so like, I would never get to be sitting here on this podcast with you and get to talk to you if it weren't for the fact that we're both kind of associated with TubeBuddy and meeting with Phil. And, and so I think that this, this is like the important human connection part. And I would much rather have this than like 100,000 people on my channel that just like occasionally stop by to leave a comment. Yeah. I've had great interviews remotely for the podcast, but my favorite ones are the ones where it is in person because you get like that before and after kind of a thing. And then also like we've just kind of gone through some things together, like hearing Casey Neistat's presentation about and storytelling and people's opinions about different things and what's been going on. So I, my favorite interviews that I get to do are the ones that are in person. So I 100% like get that i just wanted to take a quick minute and thank you for listening with a little something something from tubebuddy if you don't know tubebuddy is a free browser extension and mobile app for your youtube account that helps you with finding the best keywords create titles a b test your thumbnails provides you with analytics milestones reporting and so much more if you have been inspired by the stories in today's podcast and you're ready to start creating, you don't want to do it without TubeBuddy. Get signed up with this free service at TubeBuddy.com forward slash women. You had mentioned something which leads us into our next question about how we filmed. So for those who don't know, we filmed uh, Shelly and I and a group of uh, six other women at the YouTube LA space and we did a women in video where we talked about what it's like to be a woman creator and, and working with other women and lifting each other up and supporting each other. and unfortunately also some of the things that are negative that come with being a female creator so uh shelly and i are the most opinionated people about this uh probably because we are uh we probably do with men i think a bit more in like our professional lives than some of our other peers so tell me shelly what are some sort of women only roadblocks or things that you've had to deal with that you've just said to yourself a man would never have to deal with this Oh, I think we get so much more guff about what we look like on screen and how we're supposed to act like ladylike. And I get a little bit more too because I'm also Asian. And so people have this um, picture of Asian women sometimes that they have stereotypes that I'm going to be meek, mild mannered, um, obedient, subservient, um, just very agreeable and whatever you need. And yes, let's do that. And I am like that to a point. 
but I'm also going to stand up for myself if I feel in my gut that something is not right or if someone's being treated not correctly or if something came across as kind of sexist. I am going to be that person to be like, whoa, that wasn't cool. We're going to stop. We're going to talk about that. We're going to acknowledge it. We're not going to move on just yet. And I think that that is jarring for some people. And I think that it's, it's interesting because the thoughts that run through my head when I have to get ready to film are, you know, make sure that your makeup looks good, but make sure that your eyebrows don't look to the point um, that someone is going to make fun of them, you know, because unfortunately I was not blessed with eyebrows and even what you see now is microbladed plus makeup. But like <laughs> if I showed up on screen, I would be like nervous. People would be like, oh, she's ugly. She's fat. She doesn't have any eyebrows. She, you know, doesn't look like this in real life. She's using face filters. She's all of this different stuff, even before I've turned on the camera and gotten ready to shoot. And I'm like, a guy doesn't do that. When the, a guy gets camera ready, he may or may not have washed his face that day. He may or may not care what his hair looks like. He may have put on a baseball cap and said, let's do this thing. You know, and a girl has to think about, what shirt am I wearing today? And is it too low cut? And you know, if I, if I show something, or, are people gonna say that the only reason that my YouTube channel is successful is because I have two great assets or something like that, you know? Which I have a friend who, unfortunately, or very fortunately, she's very, very beautiful. And people don't wanna take anything sometimes that she has into effect or they want to discount her success because she's just a very, very pretty girl. And, you know, unfortunately that is stuff that we have to deal with. We can't be too pretty, otherwise um, then we have to be pretty and stupid. We can't be pretty and smart, you know, it's all of a sudden, or it's acceptable to be ugly as long as you're, or not as cute, as long as you're very, very smart. As long as you hit them with your, your wits. And so all of a sudden we have to play this game as like, how much is sexy enough? How much, how much can I say? How much can I not say? Should I say things about my family? Should I reveal that I have a family? Do I have kids? Do I ever mention the kids' names? Do I have to say what my husband does for a living? Do I ever, you know, like what city am I in? How much information is too much information? Where a guy's just like, hey guys, I'm here at the Samsung event and I'm showing you this brand new phone and like accidentally flashes his phone number. A girl would freak out because all of a sudden she would have a million people already more than she does in her DM saying like, you know, inappropriate things, which usually happens. And I think we are the brunt of more comments that come online from other people. So we get trolled more often, I think. And, and it's not just about stuff that we are talking about that gets discounted, but then they really go in on the looks. And I think that guys don't have to worry about that as much. They're not coming in and having someone be like, your hair looks awful. Do you ever brush it? <laughs> but those are comments that I get or something, you know, or about my eye shape it or around less how about yeah. what you have it's to not say. about what I'm presenting it's about just how did I look while I was presenting it and I just don't think that that's the same um, or to the same level as it is for a man so I think that's definitely um, a big difference between like how a guy can get ready to present and how a female does and it's it, unfortunately it's where we're at and it's not fair but it's something that we have to deal with and navigate now you've had to deal with this like even like at a bigger level from a professional space because I remember you're telling me about because you are in tech like straight up Shelly is like tech genius like she's got this down and but she will not fix your computer but <laughs> but she's working <laughs> except for lot. my mom I'm yeah. like permanently on call the, for that moms grandmas always the exception yeah. I, I have a message like I set my computer aside for when you come to visit me and dad to fix it. Or she has like a <laughs> list of things. And I'm like, yes, mom, I am your geek squad for right. you. <laughs> for you, I will fix whatever. <laughs> but you deal with a lot of people just like, I remember you telling me stories of things where you're like, oh, I'm someone, like they, people thought like you were someone's spouse or you were like, they like walked right past you. Like you weren't the person that they were supposed to talk to. Or they're like, when's your boss going to get here? Like, how? why do you think it is that there is literally this like built-in 
assumption that, in, and especially in specific fields, like in tech or even like film and things like that, where they just kind of assume that like, oh, your support, your assistant, your staff, like why is that like representation, representation such a struggle? You don't get to see a lot of it, unfortunately. Like, if you know the statistic that there are more male CEOs of companies named John than there are females, period. Not just, just, just period, end of sentence. Right. And so, um, unfortunately, you don't always get to see a lot of modeling when it comes to female CEO. And, and there's even studies that will show that companies that are run by CEOs that are females tend to have higher satisfaction, tend to have lower turnover, tend to have longer um, longevity of the happiness of employees. And because a lot of the time people want to think of women only being correct, categorized as um, nurturing things. So we're expected to be teachers. You know, we're expected to be nurses. We're expected to be um, subservient in some sort of way to others, um, helping cater to the comfort of other people. And so, or, or like house cleaners or whatever, that kind of thing. And I think it's almost a pattern disrupt sometimes for a man to think of the woman who's in charge. So there are tons of examples I could give where I worked in consumer electronic sales for a very long time. I worked at some big box retail stores, fresh out of college. I was selling slinging printers and computers and home theater equipment. And I can talk to you about, you know, the stereo surround sound or 5.1 and the differences and all that. But it would always be funny that even the training materials that we would sometimes get from our own uh, company would be like, oh, if you want to sell this television, make sure to put the remote in a female's hands because if they're shopping as a couple, she's going to be the, the one to give permission. The guy always wants to buy it, but she's the one who actually has the yes or no on that checkbook writing capability. And I always just thought, that's so sexist because if I came in here and I want to buy these clipped speakers, it's because I want them. And in fact, a boyfriend at the time I had, I wanted this huge surround sound set and he didn't want it. And I was like, screw you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy these stereo speakers because that's what I want. But that was very um, not the norm. And so I was, for a while, I was running, let's say, the computer department and I would know things. And as I do, because I even ended up running a computer repair part of that business for a while. And it was funny because people would come in and assume automatically that I was the greeter for the person who was going to fix the computers or I was the person who was going to shepherd them like a hostess to find a person who could help them with making a purchase. This was the same when I worked in the camera department. This was the same. It didn't really matter which department. Um, even when I was working in the CDs and DVDs, that would be okay. But if I stepped into video game consoles, all of a sudden that wasn't okay anymore. And then it was do you game? Do you have someone here who knows about these things? And so it was It was funny because at one point, I get two different examples, right? But there's one where a guy came in, wanted to buy a computer. I'm like, yeah, let me help you. And he's like, well, I'll just wait for a guy. And I'm like, uh, are you sure? Because I'm available now. Because I'm already trying to be like offended, hashtag not offended. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to still try and help you. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, well, I can help you if you want. He's like, no, no, that's okay. I'll just wait for that guy. And so I am Ugh. like, oh, okay, maybe he knows that guy. Maybe that's a friend of his um, or someone's son, whatever, you know? Yeah. And so he, he waited for the guy to be free, and I was like, no problem. And so I walked over there, and I was like, hey, Jimmy, this guy's waiting for you. Can you help him out? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Goes over there, starts talking to him. And then the guy asked him some sort of technical uh, spec question, and the guy didn't know. And he came over to me to ask. And he's like, I don't know, but my manager knows. Let me go over there. And the guy's face was just like fallen. Because I'm like, oh yeah, the girl that wasn't good enough to help you, that you shooed aside because the guy was going to be automatically more knowledgeable. That guy is coming over to me to ask me questions about the product that you 
yeah. said I couldn't help you with. And so all of a sudden he was a little bit nicer because he kind of knew, but it wasn't, you know, it's like you can't go back and fix that. Yeah, or do you, do you think this is happening in YouTube? Do you think that, like I said, 48% of YouTubers, uh, YouTube consumers are women. Do you, and, and one in three kids wants to be a YouTuber. Do you think that we are still facing this thing where it's like, YouTube creators is like it's like a guys thing and like girls are just in this own little section and like yeah. if we we're only going to turn to them for these things and we'll yeah. maybe like there's always like one like we have one yeah. person on everything like oh well well like like a skateboarder like oh there's well she's a skateboarder or like you know with YouTube education oh well we have one girl you know or it almost feels like you become the token of it or something yeah like, how do you think we can like get past that and fight that we just have to have more we just have to have more across and to also go back to these the one story. It's so funny because I actually ended up running the number one when I was selling the CDs, DVDs, video games. We were the number one department in across all the nation. And so they have this contest sometimes where they will, um, they call it Achievers event where they'd bring in all the people who are the top performers. And I was at this event, went to the bathroom, no line there, great, sure. But um, it, it was funny because then someone would stop me and they would say, oh, it's really nice that your husband brought you to this event. Oh, my God. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? I brought my boyfriend to this event because I am the achiever. So it, it's, it's stuff like I that. I you put him in their place. <laughs> <laughs> I, no. I just want to watch someone, like, get the wrath of Shelly because it would be, like, amazingly, like, eloquent and articulate, and you could just watch them just shrink inside. Words are sharp, man, sometimes. I, right? I was on a panel, Females in Tech, and I unfortunately my VPs of my org were there when I was working at a very large tech company, and we were talking about females and diversity and technology, and I went into, like, a 10-minute tirade about some of the stuff that we mentioned, like how a, a woman gets ready for work versus how a man gets ready for work, and they're faces just kind of fell and they were like is this true and I'm like oh yeah it's true we got we got work to do or something but when it comes to diversity I don't like being that token person because when I was uh, at that big box retailer it was when this person gets promoted like myself because I was I advanced very quickly at that company I got promoted a lot thankfully um, but it was also because I had I felt like I had to outwork everyone because if they also saw oh well she's getting promoted again and I'd be like oh well who does she know or like because she's a girl or because she's Asian and um, it takes a toll on you to feel like you have to constantly perform all the time but then on the other end every time there was an HR type of um, incident where it involved a female I had to be in the room as a female manager because I was the only female of the 15 men leadership team so anything that had to do with any female. I had to be in the room. There was no one else because I was the only girl. So imagine that's always like, I had this then in my mind reputation of, I'm just the girl that comes in when there's an HR problem. And I'm like, oh, but I run the number one department in, a, in all of, but yeah. I have to be here because someone said that someone's clothing was inappropriate. And how embarrassing is that to have to sit in the room while someone is telling them, but they can't tell a girl that her clothing is inappropriate. So a girl has to tell the girl that the clothing is inappropriate. So they, they put me in those types of situations all the time. So I would love to have been in a situation where there was more female representation. And I was yearning for that. And at one point I was just like, I can't do this. It's always dudes, it's all the time, it's way too much. And then someone was like, but you're the only female. You can't leave because you're the only one. And if you're not there, there's no one else to model. And I think that this just proves why women need women yeah like not only just because like not just because like in those situations we're like well you're the only one you can't leave but like because we need each other to support each other yeah. and like be there for each other and lift each other up and, and be there for one another and 
now look at each other like we're competition and, or and like we it's do. some game. Yeah. And, and I don't even know why. Like, I don't know how. It's not like, like someone pulls us aside in elementary school and tells us, like, okay, remember, that girl that you're best friends with that's starting to shoot, you need to be as mean to her as possible because she's your competition for a man. Like, I don't it's even not know fair. how that happens. Because men that are like in the same space, they don't always have to do that. Or, like, their friendly banter is, is, like, allowed. But if a girl does it, all of a sudden it's like we're, we're too mean to each other and we can't have that same kind of camaraderie. But, like, not only am I competing against the guys, I'm competing against the other females. And it's like, wait, I'm getting doubly hit here because guys don't have to deal with this. And the fact is, women are only supposed to be in certain types of categories on YouTube, it seems. Like, we can do DIY, we can do home improvement, we can do lifestyle, we can do fashion, we can do beauty. But then all of a sudden, when we start to go into some of these other realms, like, I want to do cell phone reviews, and I want to teach you, you know, filmmaking skills. All of a sudden, it's like, are you sure you belong here? Are you sure you're supposed to be yeah, in this group? Yeah, I've met so many different, I've met so many creators in the same things, like in tech and, and film and all that stuff, and it's always men. And, like, it's not that they're not great. They're, like, amazing creators. They're making great stuff. But women make great stuff, too. Yeah. Why aren't we – why isn't, like, that highlight happening? And a lot of these guys are like, how can I highlight these women? Like, how can we support you guys in doing what you're doing? And, and I think and it's important to have male allies. And when you, yeah. when you find good ones, hold on to them because I don't think that sometimes they understand the brevity of situations that we get put in daily – weekly, monthly, and when we start to highlight and expose some of these conversations we have, the DMs that we get, all the stuff, they're always kind of like taken aback with like, is this true? Does this really happen? And we're like, are you kidding me? It's an everyday occurrence that we're fighting against. it's not about man bashing, because like, like, even like our friend Salma said, we need men. Like, men are a very important part of our life. Like, they're the counter to us. But we need women to support each other. It's about educating people about, like, what we experience. Men in, in a lot of situations just don't understand. And I don't think that women are very well equipped to support other women sometimes. It doesn't come across as, how am I supposed to do that? So even the question yesterday came up in the film, and it was like, how do you best support other women? And I'm like, there's so many ways. It's not just like their content on Instagram. It's not just occasionally share there's no or retweet. formula for it. No, and, like, there's so many ways that you can do it. So it's like my friends, a lot of them are in the beauty space. And so when they have collaborations, I say, way to go. I tag them. I make sure I say, this is awesome. Thanks for working with this person. But I buy their collaborations. I buy their t-shirts and merch. I buy the stuff. I put it on while I'm, I'm doing a video. And I'm like, hey, this is from my friend. Or you know, I'm using this product. And it's from this collab with this company with my friend. And so I try to be very generous with that kind of attention and spotlighting others and females that are special in my life. And I don't feel that a lot of other women are always doing that. And I just, I feel like there's nothing wrong sometimes with sending out a little love for more women and hoping one day that like it comes back, sure, but just because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. What should do when they're getting started on YouTube? Just get started. There's always room for improvement. You can always change things. You can always tweak things, but if you sit there and you don't want to be that person. I used to, um, I was speaking at a meetup and it was about how to start a YouTube channel, how to get more views, something like that. And she said, I've been thinking about making a YouTube channel for three years. And I'm like, well, what's stopping you? Go out to the parking lot right now, film a, a little 30 second thing that says, my name is blank. This is what I do. This is what my channel will be about. Upload it. 
call it good. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. It's, and I'm like, that's the thing is we make everything so complicated. Yes. And I think that the whole Gary Vee thing of, you know, just document, create, just, just get it on, just get going. Um, because what we do then is we procrastinate and it's a year later and we're just like in all this regret that we didn't do these things. We didn't say these things. It does not need to be a full production commercial. And I think it's YouTube. so disheartening because you look online and you see lights, productions, beautiful sets. And all of a sudden you're like, I can never do that. I can't compete with that. When all you have to do, if you, if you look at their first videos, your they're never that great, right? Is but not their, exactly. Their day one is not their one, day 1,000. And I think if people could get out of their own heads a little bit and just finally start hitting publish and kind of not care about what it looks like in comparison to other stuff, because we all play the comparison game. I've got friends here at VidSummit. They started the same time or right after me. They have more subscribers than me. And I could sit here and wallow and be like, gosh, dang it, they're doing so well. But instead, I, I, I want to say, gosh, dang it, they're doing so well. <laughs> and it's just, it's a different mindset that I think people really have to get into. And it's hard because everything about YouTube is metrics driven that is very, very public. So I know what your watch time is and I know how your ranking is and I know how many views you have and I know how many subscribers you have. And it's really hard to like not want to look at that all the time. And so I went to a meetup recently where the guy, the first thing he ever said to me was how many subscribers do you have? And I'm like, it doesn't matter just because we're humans having a conversation. If I said I have a certain number, would you not want to talk to me? Even here, people are like, so what's your channel do? And I'm like, yeah. Um, I'm fine. Thanks for yeah, asking. Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks I've for asking. I've had a asking. great time while I've yeah. been here. Oh, man, my feet hurt, don't yours? Like, it's like. Exactly. I think and, like, we those miss are the that human connection. And I just like glass over and I'm like, you are not interested in talking to me. You're seeing if I could be a good partner. It's about what you can take from me. Exactly. I can it's give about you what something. you can use from what I've done for your advantage. Mm. And that's the difference between the relationships that last and then like that one time burning a bridge, like, oh, I just needed something from you. Yeah. And that's not what I'm interested in. So now I'm really trying to retrain my brain, but again, it's taken three years to actually do so. So I think the biggest thing for getting started is please stop comparing yourself to other people and just actually get started. Do you think there's room for more for new creators? I think we're just getting started when it comes to all of this and video creation because Everyone out there is looking for an actual connection with other people, like-minded people who are crazy, stupid, excited about the same things. And when you find them, you want to like expand your tribe. You want, and I think now we're all so lonely sometimes online, and you know you don't know someone else who really is into Harry Potter like you are, or Game of Thrones, or whatever it is. And you really want to find that connection, and you can do it online. But people have to like realize that a lot of this you get in what you put out. You know. And unfortunately, yes, there are people that blow up for whatever reasons. And you're like, oh, man, that stinks. But sometimes it's not sustainable. And then a year later, they're gone. Yep. So I am more interested in taking that path of sustainable, real, lasting relationships. So. Awesome. How can people find you on the YouTube, Shelly? You can find me at Shelly Saves the Day. Awesome. We'll have the link to that in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show. I I have just loved getting to know you the next couple of days. And I can't wait for our continued friendship and for everyone else to learn from your genius. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Women of YouTube podcast. We would love to know what you thought about this latest episode. So make sure to tag us with hashtag Women of YouTube with your thoughts. And if you really love this episode, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes to make the podcast gods and Phil over at TubeBuddy happy.